book of Isaiah. We'll start in the ninth chapter and the 40th chapter. Isaiah 9 and Isaiah 40. You see men running about in the service. We're still trying to get some bugs worked out of the sound system. You see them running about and screaming. You know they're really getting blessed by the message. So, so. Or something. Meds wore off. All right, we've been talking about the names, the biblical names for Jesus Christ. We have come to the letter C, the name starting with the letter C. And this morning, we're going to look at Jesus Christ, our Counselor. Jesus Christ, our Counselor. Isn't that a word that has become so prominent in our modern culture so oft used in our modern society, and yet it seems that the more counselors we have and the more people going to counselors that, that we have, more people we have that are distraught and despondent and depressed and clueless as to how to enjoy life. It seems as though everybody wants to go to counselors, but they don't want to go to the counselor. And there is a counselor who's been in business since the very first man had the very first problem. That counselor has never given advice that wasn't perfect. A counselor has never met with a patient whom he did not sincerely love. I don't know that there are too many of us who have ever been to seek someone's counsel or someone's advice and found ourselves sitting across from someone who loved us enough to die for us. I don't know that any of us has ever sat down and, and sought the advice or the wisdom of a person who doeth all things well, who knows the end from the beginning, who knows our uprising and our downsitting, who, who formed us and fashioned us in the womb, who meticulously prepared for us that soul, that spirit, that personality, that everything there is about us. Our God has known us from the beginning. Our God is all wise and, and all powerful, and it's, it's really a, a mystery to me why people would pay for the advice of people who can't even govern their own lives and wouldn't receive counsel and advice from Almighty God who gives it freely. Just amazing. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6, For unto us a child is born. That's that babe that came to the manger of Bethlehem. <clears throat> Unto us a son is given. Now, unlike every other baby ever been born in the world, Jesus was a son before he was born. In fact, when he was born, the man who was attending, Joseph, was not his father. His mother was present, but you couldn't have found a single man upon the earth who was the father of of that baby Jesus. He was born of a virgin, and yet before he came, he was a son. He was the son of God. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government should be upon his shoulder. That'll be a happy day. And his name should be called Wonderful Counselor. See the capital C? That's his name. That baby that was born, his name is Counselor. He's the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Our Father, we ask and pray this morning that as we look at these many verses in your word, the Holy Bible, that you would look into our hearts, show us who we really are, 
Show us what you can do for each of us. May we leave helped and better, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I have talked to many people through the years, and so have you, and they've said, well, I had this problem, and I went to see so-and-so, and I felt better for a while. I had this situation, and I, I sought help, and I sought advice, and, and some of it worked out pretty good, and some of it didn't. But everyone I know who has taken their heart's burdens and cares and troubles and sorrows, who have taken their mind's confusion and anxiety and doubts about things, everyone I know who has taken them to the Counselor with a capital C, to Jesus Christ the Lord, has come away saying, He's wonderful. He's wonderful. This Counselor cares. This counselor never said, time's up. This counselor never said, we'll try some of these and if they don't work, come back and we'll try something else. This counselor, because he's the mighty God, was able to wonderfully minister to the needs of my heart. I'd ask you this morning, if you've come in here today and, and your life's got some troubles, all of our lives have troubles, you've got some, some ups and downs and seem, seemingly more downs than ups, I want to ask you, who could you turn to to help you with your problems that could honestly look you in the eye and say, I'm the mighty God. Trust me. I am, the verse goes on to say, the everlasting Father. Now, I don't, know, I don't know who you go to see, but when I go in an office and, and you go sit in the office, I look. I mean, that's why they get the things on the wall. They got the things on the wall so you can know that the person you're talking to is qualified. And so I look on the wall and it'll say, uh, Ph.D. in clinical psychology from such and such university. And then one will say, Ph.D. in abnormal psychology from such and such university. And then one will say, uh, Ph.D. in counseling from... Joe's Bar and Grill. And I, I said, see, I'm skeptical. Maybe you aren't skeptical. I'm skeptical. I sit in those offices. Not that I've, I've been in a great deal of them. But as I sit there in my straight jacket, reading the, the plaques on the wall, I think to myself, this would have been more impressive when I was a boy. But now that everybody's got a computer and a printer and a high-quality Photoshop program, anybody could print a Harvard diploma in their, in their basement and hang it up on their wall. I don't know if this guy knows what he's talking about or not. I don't know if she knows what she's talking about or not. And when you, when you walk in, you know, two minutes earlier than you're supposed to and you see them swallowing pills and chasing them with something and then shoving it in the drawer, you think, well, wait a minute, this guy's got as many problems as I got. But when I go to God with my burdens, he never says... You know, me too. When I go to God with my problems, He never says, I know what you mean. I am so thankful that I am going to a wonderful counselor who is the mighty God, who is the everlasting Father. I went to court one time with Brother Jake. He was having some trouble. And, uh, no, no, it was just a court. No, in fact, no, Jake wasn't there that day. Um, we hadn't bailed him out yet. I was, it was with another man from the church. We'll get to it. But I went to court, and the judge well, sat there, and everybody's there is going to see the judge all during the day. And the judge said, now before I call you up here, or when I call you up here, I'm going to ask you three questions. 
what he said. I'm going to ask you three questions. He said, I'm going to ask you, first of all, what type of psychiatric medication you're taking. That's what the judge said. He said, second, I'm going to ask you what kind of relationship you had with your mother. And then third, I'm going to ask you if your mother's dead or alive. I thought, well, that's really odd. And then the judge said, because if your problem is you're not properly medicated or you haven't forgiven your mom, I can't help you. That's what he said. And we sat there from 9 until 2, and everybody got up, who got up there was on some type of medication and had some kind of issue with their mom. Now, that was a time to not say amen. Thank you for restraining yourself. But, but our God is not just a mighty counselor. He is a father who from everlasting to everlasting has never abandoned one of his children. He's never failed to provide for one of his children. He's never harmed one of his children. He has never been inappropriate toward one of his children. We're talking about a counselor who is not going to add to your reasons for distrust. We are talking about a counselor who is not going to add to your litany of emotional or spiritual problems. We're talking about somebody here who does father right. We're talking about someone here who does love properly, who does care properly, who does provision properly. We're not asking you to trust another sinner like me, another sinner like you. We're asking you to trust the everlasting Father as your counselor. And then the Bible says, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He sits on a throne, and the kingdom he governs is one of peace. Now, he doesn't sit on a throne on earth, so there's no peace on earth. He doesn't sit on a throne in your metropolis, so there's no peace in your city. But he can sit on the throne of your heart and bring peace to your heart in a world full of chaos and trouble and confusion and violence, you can have peace in your heart. Now, I, I, I'm going to be careful this morning. If you don't come back tonight for part two, I'm not going to be careful tonight. But I, I'm being careful this morning because I, I don't want to say things I can't, start something I can't finish. But if you ever come to Jesus and allow him to be your counselor, you will never frantically be searching through your house for a bottle with a pill in it because your prescription has run out. He'll always be there. You will never call to schedule an appointment and have, and have the secretary say, I'm sorry, God's out of the office for the next two weeks. He is ever and always present to minister peace to our hearts round the clock in every circumstance without cost, without obligation. This counselor is the one you can depend on. Now, listen, I'm not telling you, if you need help, get help wherever you can find it. And, and bad help's better than no help, and, and average help is better than... than no, than terrible help. And so I, I'm, not, I'm not telling you to leave here this morning and do something crazy on top of something else crazy. Don't, I don't need anybody blaming him for that stuff. What I'm telling you is 
There is nobody in this world that can do for your sorrow what Jesus can do for your sorrow. There is nothing in this world that can manage your fear like Jesus can manage your fear. There is nothing in this world that can counter your anxieties like Jesus can counsel your anxieties. And we live in a world where people are trained from their youth up to try everything but Jesus. To trust anyone but Jesus. To believe any accredited nobody before they put their faith and trust in the almighty God who created the heavens and the earth. And I'm telling you, if you want peace, real peace, wonderful peace, lasting peace, the place to find it is in Jesus Christ. And without Him and apart from Him, you can find some temporary stopgap measures to hold you till the next episode, but you'll never find the peace and the satisfaction and the contentment and the joy that you're looking for until you find it in Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter number 40, Isaiah chapter 40, people have, I understand, people have legitimate problems. Some people have illegitimate problems that they believe are legitimate problems. I understand that. I understand there are people who have horrible things that have happened in their life that cause them to, re to, to look at normal situations abnormally. To view ordinary events as, un as extraordinary. I, look, I understand that. And I'm not telling you that every fear you've ever had is going to vanish the moment you get saved. And, and every, every uh, trouble you have in your heart is going to vanish the moment you call upon the Lord. I'm telling you that a mighty God is better able to help you than a man with problems just like you. I am telling you that the Almighty knows more about comfort than any pharmacist or any shrink on the face of the earth. That's what I'm telling you. I'm telling you to stop making God the last resort and learn to make Him the first resort. He's the one who can help you. I, I went, I, I'll, I'll just go ahead and tell you this. This will help, maybe. If it doesn't help, we'll give you something to talk about at lunch. I turned 50 a while back, quite a while back, farther back than I can remember. And when I turned 50, in order to stay insured, minimally insured, I had to go, this before the president was going to pay for all of it, uh, back when, when I had to pay for my own. Uh, so I had to go see this doctor, and, and he said, it's required, the, the company requires, we're going to do a full medical exam and a full psychiatric exam. Well, this, this ought to be fun. So he, he did, we did the physical exam, and he gave me this piece of paper. He said, I want you to fill this out. I'm going to come back in. And, um, and we'll talk about it. So he went out of the room. He gave me this list. There's 20 questions. Have you ever, you know, have you ever had fits of unhappiness? Have you ever had a, a downtime in your life that lasted more than so many days? It's all these questions. So I'm marking it. Marking the thing off. He comes back in. He looks at it. He said, you're supposed to, you need, if you don't answer this honestly, we can't. I said, I, I answered it honestly. I, I put the honest answers down. Well, there are 20 questions. I put 19 of them I marked yes. He said, if somebody marks eight of these yes, they are clinically depressed to the extent we have to either medicate them or, or, or put them somewhere for treatment. <laughs> That's what he said. 
And he said, you marked 19 of these yes? What do you do for a living? I started to say, you know, I work at a grocery store. I, you know, but I didn't want to lie. I said, I'm a pastor. <laughs> he looked at me, left the room. He came back in a couple of minutes. He said, I got to ask you something. He said, the only one you didn't mark yes was, have you ever had thoughts of taking your life? He said, how can you mark 19 of these yes and never think about taking your life? I said, because I spend my time thinking about taking the lives of the people who've made me depressed. <laughs> I said, why would I take my life? I'm not the problem. Everybody else is the problem. <laughs> he left the room and didn't come back. <laughs> he sent the nurse in. She said, doctor said, you can go. <laughs> so I got problems. We all got problems. <laughs> But I'm telling you this morning, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. He's not going to make the world a better place for you. He's not going to make everybody treat you nice. He's not going to reverse the whole course of human history so you don't have to deal with it. But he will give you peace. He'll give you joy. He'll give you hope. He'll give you comfort that nobody else and nothing else can give you. Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. The Bible says in verse number 12, Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, and meted out heaven with a span, and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Now when you go in the office and you look behind the desk and it says that this individual spent two years in specialized training at a university. Before you get too impressed by that, God created the mountains in one morning. God made the oceans before lunch. God populated the hillsides with animals and birds and, and he filled the oceans and the rivers with fishes and he hung the stars in their places. He made everything that is made in six 12-hour periods and took the evening and the night off. So if you're looking for somebody that really knows what they're doing, if you're looking for somebody that can really understand the human psyche, I'd look to God. He's way smarter than anybody else you're looking to. Now let me just, let me just quickly say a word. I'm not talking about the God whose voice you hear. I don't, I don't, we don't want to go there. Like the two fellows that were locked up, and one of them sitting in his wheelchair, and a fellow came down the hall holding up his walking cane. Part! 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 The guy in the wheelchair said, what are you doing? He said, I'm Moses, and God told me to part the Red Sea. And the guy sitting in the wheelchair said, I told you nothing of the kind. Now, verse 13 says, Who hath directed the Spirit of the Lord, or being his counselor hath taught him? With whom took he counsel, and who instructed him, and taught him in the path of judgment, and taught him knowledge, and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations 
are as a drop of a bucket. You put one, you, you get one drop of water on the end of your finger and drop that thing in a big five-gallon bucket of water, and to God, that's China. That's Russia. That's the United States. That's, well, if that's what God thinks of the whole nation of China, I'm not all that impressive. You're not all that impressive. Not compared to God. So the Lord says, first of all, nobody taught me. Second of all, there wasn't anything anybody could teach me because I have all wisdom and all knowledge and all understanding and all might. And guess what he did? That God, that God took the time to write out a manual for living. Right here in the Bible, he talks about, in the Bible, how to, how to cope with death, how to cope with violence, how to cope with having your reputation harmed, how to cope with depression and despair and disappointment, how to cope with wanting to end your life, how to cope with children that have broken your heart, how to cope with parents. It's all in this book written by a counselor who's never been wrong. Written by a counselor who never needed anybody's advice or instruction. Written by a counselor who didn't have his theories disproven by later discoveries. It's all right here. And I'm telling you this morning that if people would put half the effort into seeking God's counsel that they put into seeking man's counsel, they'd be well on their way to life more abundant. God knows what he's doing, knows how to help you. Now, Isaiah 47, while we're in the neighborhood. Isaiah chapter 47. And verse number 11. Therefore shall evil come upon thee, thou shalt not know from whence it riseth, and mischief shall fall upon thee, and thou shalt not be able to put it off. And desolation should come upon thee suddenly, which thou should not know. How do these people get in this mess they're in? Stand now with thine enchantments, and with the multitude of thy sorceries, wherein thou hast labored from thy youth. If so be, thou shalt be able to profit. If so be, thou must prevail. Thou art wearied in the multitude of thy counsels. Let now the astrologers, the stargazers, the monthly prognosticators stand up. And save thee from these things that shall come upon thee. 700 years before Christ. You know what people were doing? Consulting their horoscope. You know what people were doing? Shaking bones and throwing them on the ground to see how they were fall. You know what they were doing? They were drawing straws. They were pulling white marbles and black marbles out of jars. They were caring about lucky rabbit's foots. Ask the rabbit how lucky it is. Anything but God. Anything but the Bible. I'm going to get up in the morning, and I'm going to pick up the newspaper, and I'm going to turn in the newspaper, and I'm going to look to see where my birthday is. And they're, and they're going to have something for me for my birthday. My birthday. 
There's seven billion people on the face of the earth. So there's probably 60 million of them whose birthday is the same birthday as mine. You tell me those stars have one message for 60 million people, and the same message for all 60 million people is, this is a bad day to get a new cat. Really? really? That's, what, that's what the solar system's about? Well, you know, Mars was lined up over here and Venus came in and Jupiter was rising. And about that same time, I, I, I drank about three beers and I... All that stuff. You know what the Bible says? Man will seek anywhere for advice but God. Man will follow the instruction of anything but God. If I, and look, no offense if, if you're visiting this morning and <coughs> I'm speaking of your business establishment. When I, when I drive through a town and I see a, a 25-year-old broken-down station wagon in front of a dilapidated single-wide trailer and a sign out front with a big hand on it that says, Fortune Teller, I'm not pulling into a place that hasn't seen fortune anywhere but on TV. I don't see anything resembling fortune around here. But people let somebody read their palm. They'll let somebody feel the bumps on their head. They'll let somebody examine their liver. They'll do anything in the world but read the Bible. And when all is said and done, the only light you're going to get in this dark world is going to come from this Word of God. But it will be enough light to get you from the start of your journey to the end of your journey because the counselor that wrote this book, he's got it right. Amen. Look at Psalm number 1. Book of Psalms. Look at Psalm number 1. And when you find Psalm 1, it'd be easy to find Psalm 73. Psalm number 1 and Psalm 73. Psalm 71, verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. So there is counsel, but there is ungodly counsel. Correct? All right, now Psalm 73. Uh, uh, 73. Yes, Psalm 73, verse 24. A man speaking of God, thou shalt guide me with thy, thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee, and there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. So here's what I would do. If I, if I call, I make an appointment. I say, you know, I, I, was, I was court ordered. I've got to see somebody uh, about my uh, problem. What problem you have? Well, I just, the doctor gave me this paper and it said that I have these thoughts about eliminating my neighbors and I really wasn't going to do that. It's just, it's just kind of joking with the guy. And But anyway, he's, I was ordered to come in and see you. So I walk in the office and I sit down and say, hi, I'm, I'm Dr. So-and-so. I'm, I'm a counselor and I'm here to counsel you. Here's, I said, well, I got a question for you. 
Do, do you believe in evolution? In any way, shape, or form, do you believe in evolution? Or do you believe that God created the heavens and the earth? Well, that's really not what we're here to talk about. If you can't answer that right, we're not here to talk about anything. I'm not taking counsel from somebody who thinks my grandmother was an ape. I'm not taking counsel from somebody who believes I was an accident and there's nobody higher than me in this universe. If you don't believe in God, you are not fit to counsel me. I'm not going to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. How's that? Now, the Bible says there is a God in heaven who loves me and cares for me, and I can safely follow his counsel because he's not, he's not building. Look, if everything you teach and everything you're going to advise me is built on a foundation of falsehood, how can I trust anything else you say? Well, here's what we believe. Man is an evolutionary byproduct of a terrible chance accident when, when two dust clouds collided and a primordial soup churned out a monkey man and one day the monkey man turned into a human and after several hundred million billion years we have evolved to the place where now we... We what, have this? That's it? I'm not buying it. So if your starting place is evolution, everything you build on top of that foundation, I'm very skeptical. You're telling me how to, how to have a better mind and you don't believe in God. You're telling me how I can have a better heart and you don't believe in God. You're telling me how I can have more peace and more comfort you don't believe in God. I'm not inclined to follow, but, but then on the other hand, the Bible said, if I follow God's counsel and God's advice, it'll lead me all the way to glory. He's a wonderful counselor and a mighty God. Joshua chapter 9. Joshua chapter number 9. Joshua 9. Let's set the stage. Children of Israel, they're God's chosen people. He has led them out of bondage in Egypt. He's brought them through the Red Sea. He's taking them to the promised land. When they get to the promised land, there are many enemies there, and they must defeat these enemies, or their enemies will defeat them. They recognize Jericho as an enemy, they fight and win. They recognize Ai as an enemy, they fight and win. City after city, they are recognizing as enemies, they fight and win as they follow the instruction and the counsel of the Lord. God, what should we do? March around the city six days and don't say a word. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Who's God here, me or you? Well, you are, okay. So they march around the city six days. And the seventh day, he says, march around seven times and blow trumpets and shout. I'll make the walls of the city fall down and you can have the victory. Well, that didn't make any sense. What did the college professors say? Well, you can go ask them if you want to, or you can do what I say and have victory. So they march around the city seven times. They blow the trumpets, the walls fall down, they have victory. At Ai, they don't seek the Lord. They go out and fight. <laughs> they get chased. They get defeated. They pray to God. They take God's advice and counsel. They go up to the same city and they win. So words getting out throughout the land of Canaan that these Israelites, their God fights for them and everybody that, that they fight against loses because they've got this great God. 
So these Gibeonites, they come up with this little plan. And the Bible says in verse number uh, 3, when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done unto Jericho and Ai, they did work wilily, like wily coyote. They're sneaky, crafty. And went and made as if they had been ambassadors and took old sacks upon their asses and wine bottles old and rent and bound up and old shoes and clouted upon their feet and old garments upon them and all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua unto the camp at Gilgal and said unto him and to the men of Israel, We be come from a far country. Now therefore make ye a league with us. And the men of Israel said unto the Hivites, Peradventure ye dwell among us. How shall we make a league with you? And they said unto Joshua, We are thy servants. And Joshua said unto them, Who are ye, and from whence come ye? And they said unto him, From a very far country thy servants are come because of the name of the Lord thy God. For we have heard the fame of him and all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites that were beyond Jordan, to Sion, king of Eshbun, to Og, king of Bashan, which was at Ashtaroth, wherefore our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spake to us, saying, Take victuals with you for the journey, and go to meet them, and say unto them, We are your servants, therefore, now make a league with us. This our bread we took hot for our provision out of our houses on the day we came forth to go unto you. But now, behold, it is dry, and it is moldy, and these bottles of wine which we filled were new, and behold, they be rent, and these are garments and our shoes are become old by reason of the very long journey. Okay, stop there just for a minute. Wouldn't common sense dictate that if you've been traveling so far your shoes are worn out, you've been traveling so far that your shoes have rotted, you wouldn't have in your hands bread you took out of the oven when you left? I mean, just common sense you would have drank what was in your bottles a long time ago. Oh, we sure are thirsty after traveling for eight months. Well, why don't we drink what's in our bottles? No, we've got to wait till it gets old and the bottles break. Come on. Common sense would have told these men they were being lied to. That bread would have rotted and, and well, you know, you've... I'll tell you, you want to tell a story? I'll tell you a story. We have a Bible conference here every year. And it's in January. And one year, end of April, early May, we were having a work day to clean up stuff. And we had called an exterminator, probably in late February, early March, to find something in the attic, and they didn't find anything in the attic, and to find something behind one of the walls, and they didn't find anything behind one of the walls. So in our work day, three and a half months after our Bible conference, Somebody took all of the high chairs and paper towel boxes and everything else out from under the kitchen counters and found there the remains of half a casserole. It wasn't an animal at all. It was So anyway, I bring that up to deter those of you that were longing for lunch and wanted the sermon end so you could go eat. What, what I'm saying is, if you took bread hot out of the oven and your clothes and shoes are worn out, that bread's long since been eaten or discarded. Simple, right? But they made a league with them. They fell for it. They did something they shouldn't have done. And look at verse 14. And the men took of their victuals and asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. 
And Joshua made peace with them and made a league with them and let them live. And the princes of the congregation swear unto them. Did you know Joshua is a very intelligent man? He's a wise military leader. He is able to govern by himself 1.5 million people. And yet, when a man with all that intelligence and all that natural ability didn't seek counsel from the Lord, he's capable of making as dumb a mistake as anybody's ever made. He's capable of being deceived by a trick that is as plain as the nose on somebody's face. I'm telling you, God's counsel will preserve you from error. God's counsel will keep you from making messes out of your life. And without the counsel of God, the most ordinary routine decisions, look at the choices people make every single day of their life that you'd think anybody with half a brain would know better than to do that. But away they go. Okay, now, look, I'm not, I'm, I'm not picking on anybody. I don't know your past. Well, some of you do. But I'm not talking about your past. If you're visiting, I know nothing about you. I, I'm, I'm just giving an example that is so obvious. There's a thousand examples. We give. This is obvious, okay? How many men have ruined their bodies, their lives, their careers, and their futures? by getting in a car on a Saturday night and driving drunk. Countless hundreds of thousands. Everybody knows that. Everybody would agree to that. But on a Saturday night after hours of drinking, a man will listen to his drunken friends say, Oh, you're okay, man. There's nothing wrong with you. Uh, you you're fine. Here, you drive. And following the counsel of the ungodly, another car full of young men go out and destroy their lives or somebody else's lives by doing something that anybody with half a brain could tell them is a bad thing to do. So how can somebody do something so foolish? Well, it depends on who your counselors are. It depends on who's giving you advice. Now, somebody with a Bible would say, you know what the Scripture says? Be not drunk with wine, where does excess? That's what it says. It says if you're drunk, you're going to get wounds, and you're going to get bruises, and you're going to have sorrow, and you're going to have trouble on top of trouble, and not even know where it came from. Well, get that Bible out of my face. I don't need that God stuff. What do you think? I'm some kind of holy roller. And see, we're not even talking about being a holy roller. We're just talking about not being a drunk roller. But I'm telling you, without God, people can't make the most basic, common sense decisions properly. And with God, everything becomes clear, life becomes simple, He leads us in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake, we walk in joy and peace and happiness. Come on, this morning, who's your counselor? Is He wonderful? Is He the mighty God? Can he help you? Get you all the way to glory? That's the counselor of the God of the Bible. Amen. All right, one, one more stop. Let's go to Psalm number 16. Psalm number 16. 
Psalm number 16. Every person here who is an adult has at one time or another taken someone's advice and regretted it. Every one of us at some time or another sought counsel. It seemed good. It seemed reasonable. We followed it and then said later, I can't believe I did that. That was one of the worst mistakes I ever made. What was I thinking? We, we've all been there. There is not a person alive who has done what the Bible says to do. Who has said, that's the worst mistake I ever made. There's not a person alive who has obeyed God's counsel from the scripture and said, that ruined my life. In fact, Psalm 16 says, verse number 7, I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. Everyone who follows the counsel of Jesus Christ says, Thank you, Lord. What a blessing. Thank you, God, for helping me. Thank you, thank you for getting me through that situation. He is the only counselor who reports 100% satisfaction from those who take his advice. Everybody else? I don't know about that. I don't know about such a good idea. He told me it was a surefire thing. He told me it couldn't miss. He told me he's given this advice. But God there's some of you visiting here today. You live in other cities. You live in other states. You, some of you live, live in other countries. You go anywhere in this world and you find somebody who's given themselves to Jesus Christ who lives by the Bible and they'll all say the same thing. Best thing I ever did was trusted Jesus. Well, how about you? Best thing I ever did was trusted Jesus. How about you, man from India? Best thing I ever did was trusted Jesus. How about you, lady from the Philippines? Best thing I ever did was trusted Jesus. How about you, sir, from Peru? Best thing I ever did was trusted Jesus. How about you, poor man? <laughs> Me too. How about you, rich man? Me too. They'll all say in unison together, best thing I ever did was trusted Jesus. He's a wonderful counselor. He's my mighty God. He's my everlasting father. He's my prince of peace. This world, and we've all been part of it, they'll seek any advice but God's. They'll follow any expert but the one who created the heavens and the earth. I'm telling you, if you'll take God's counsel, you'll praise Him. You'll bless Him. Amen. Father, so many voices in this world, so many people pleading for our trust our confidence, our attention. Father, would you help those who have not done so to put their faith and trust in your counsel? Father, would you help those that know you as Savior but are listening to such a wide variety of voices that they're so confused? Father, help us to put our faith, our trust, in the words that you have given us, that you might lead us into a life of peace, wonderful peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.